This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. What's going on, everybody? Larry D here, long time, no talk, and uh, don't worry, I'll be back uh, very soon with uh, brand new episodes of the Chicago Bears review, maybe a week or so down the line. We'll be doing a recap of the free agency period, and of course, a month or so from now, we have the NFL Draft, which is in uh, Chicago this year, and then as we do towards the beginning of the summer, and as we get closer to the end of the summer, I guess you should say, we'll start doing our opponent preview uh, episodes where we start talking about our opponents from this uh, for this 2015 season with the AFC West, the NFC West, and uh, and so on. But uh, this is a special edition. This is not officially an episode of the Chicago Bears View. I'm just sharing it for all of my CBR people to be able to hear it. I was a guest on the Football Is America podcast uh, this past weekend uh, on Sunday, as a matter of fact. Uh, with uh, Ron and Kyle, and uh, Ron is a Chicago Bears fan, and coincidentally, he is a Chicago Bears review fan. That is how he found me, uh, wanted me to be on the show, went on to the show, sat and talked with the guys for about 40 minutes or so, if not uh, more, had a fantastic time, look forward to being back on the show. So this is me and my interview with Ron and Kyle from Football is America, uh, the podcast. You can find that on iTunes, same as you can uh, with this one, and I believe their website is FB, as in football, FBIAPodcast.com. So check out their uh, website as well. So here it is, me, Ron, and Kyle talking bears on the Football is America podcast. Shut up and sit down. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Football is America with Ron and Kyle. I'm Ron. I'm Kyle. Hello. And today we are joined by Larry Dyer, the host of the Chicago Bears Review podcast. We have him here today to discuss Bears with us. Thank you so much for joining, Larry, and I'm very excited to have you on the show. My, my pleasure, guys. The appropriate term Ron is looking for is man crush. <laughs> All right, real quick. Give us some insight into the show. You've been doing it for quite a while now, I know. And what kind of got you started and, and what were some of the challenges that you faced kind of kind of getting everything up and running? Well, you know, it was uh, it wasn't my first rodeo. Uh, this was uh, I think this is my my third uh, podcast that I produced. A, a friend of mine, uh, Ryan Simmons, we um, we did a show together for years uh, called the Sports Talk Underground. It was a podcast that he and I did and we had actually been doing it for over a year before we ever even got it online so like that first year that we did the show we were basically practicing um he and i went to western illinois university together we were in broadcasting and we were kind of doing the show as to kind of scratch an itch it was just a general sports show topics of the day all that kind of stuff um and then when we stopped doing that show i also needed a reason to scratch the itch and uh, in 2007, the Bears were about to defend their NFC championship that they, you know, won in 06 when they went to the Super Bowl 41 and uh, decided that, uh, you know, what do I know better than than most things? I know I know the Bears. So 
I uh, found a free podcasting site and uh, used some audio software to record the show and get it up and running. As you said, you did some broadcasting studies in college and all that. Mm-hmm. We're very, very amateur. Is it then wrong of me to constantly berate my fans and insult them? Uh, no, no, uh, yes. I don't. I don't think so. I mean, because yeah. you know, it's it's one of those things where you know people were, um, you know, because I get stuff like that all the time, and people talk to me about why I'm so heavy-handed with the Bears and and things like that. It's like, well, I'm a fan, and they're pissing me off, so. I got to say something. That's what the platform is for. I'm using this platform to say this is what they're doing. I'm upset, and here's why. Anyone who wants to listen, feel free. Anyone who doesn't, just hit stop and watch and listen to something else. Now, see, I I am a big Colts fan, and so what I'm doing right now, and I'm sure Ron is aware, is I'm using what you said to justify my horrible behavior. Um, <laughs> yeah, thanks a lot, my, I appreciate that. Yeah, and, well... <laughs> You know, he he went to college for this. He knows what he's doing better than us. And he essentially has now confirmed that I should continue to call for Tom Brady to get. I don't care that the NFL doesn't like it. Well, the NFL (laughs) doesn't like it, but I'm going to keep doing it. And he's laughing. So he gets it. Satire. We're all adults here. Cancer free. You know, fight for the cure. Anyway, now let, let me change gears and be serious before Ron eliminates me from the call because he will. Um What is your strongest memory as a Bears fan? What is the thing that just sticks out to you the most when you think of being a Bears fan? Well, there's a couple, um, but the the one, uh, the most historic one would be that um, six-year-old little Larry D was in attendance when Walter Payton broke Jim Brown's rushing record in 1984. Uh, It was uh, in October of 84. It was at Soldier Field uh, against the Saints. And... I honestly don't remember the moment that it happened. I didn't remember the significance of it. It was actually about a year or two later. My dad and I were watching NFL films and reminded me that we were at that game and realizing that he was right because I remembered that Walter Payton scored one of his patented over-the-top touchdowns uh, in that game against the Saints. And when they showed the highlight of him hovering over the over the pile, that's when I was like, oh, my God, that's right. That, I remember that game. We were there for that. And that was one of the, the strong memories. And then, of course, uh, you know, the, how disappointed I was that my mother decided to take me and the rest of the kids away from my dad's Super Bowl party. So I had to watch the, the Bears beat the Patriots from the front desk of the bowling alley while, uh, you know, I wanted to be home watching the game. But mom took the kids bowling to get us out of the house. So how did you feel? How did, and more importantly, since you were younger, and I'm sure you've talked about this with your, your dad, and how did he feel about Walter Payton not getting the opportunity to carry that, that touchdown in the Super Bowl then? Uh, you know, it, it really, wasn't, uh, really wasn't an issue. I, I think we all kind of felt like uh, Ditka felt anyway at the time was that you didn't really realize with all that was happening, the way that the Bears were just running away uh, with the game, the way that the, the defense, which was – the star of that team did what they had been doing all year, which was completely decimate the Patriots who was scoring and why or how and, and, and whatnot, I guess really didn't, didn't, didn't get taken into account until afterwards. I mean, cause it was like years later, you sit back and you realize, Oh my God, Peyton did not score a touchdown in the Super Bowl. I can't believe that. I mean, I, I go back and I watch the, the game now, like when they ever, they air it on the NFL network, uh, Enberg and and and, and uh, Merlin Olson, who are calling the game, were fully aware that that Peyton hadn't scored yet, and that maybe Ditka was trying to make an effort to to get him into the end zone. But aside from that, I don't think people really knew, or at the moment, in the moment, didn't care that Peyton hadn't scored. Outstanding, and I always wonder kind of what other people's views on it. I know what my view is on it. Um, obviously, I was born in '84, so well, that's not obvious, but <laughs> I was born in '84, and that is. So I didn't obviously watch the game uh, right. uh, live or anything like that, but uh, going back and watching it, and I know what my grandfather's opinion on was it, and he thinks it was a travesty, and and of course <laughs> he he was always very strong opinion, had a very strong opinion when it came to the Bears, and but let's talk 2014 since we we're done reminiscing here, let's get into last season and and really break down what what your perception of the season was. Was there anything that we could really take? 
take part and say, you know, I was happy about this or this was a success in any way? No, no, uh, not at all. I mean, because just about where anything could go wrong, it did. Uh, the one thing that people were looking forward to was watching our offense be as awesome as it was uh, in 2013. And it was the complete opposite where they went from being dynamic and unpredictable. Um, our opponent saw us coming from a mile away, uh, not to mention the fact that our offensive line that was healthy for all 16 games in 2013 was not healthy at all throughout 2014. I mean, from the fact that Jordan Mills missed all of training camp, recovering from that foot injury, Kyle Long missed a chunk of training camp with that virus issue that he had. And the first time that we had all five of our starting guys together was in the first snap of the first game against Buffalo. And then halfway through the second quarter, we lose Garza and Slauson to ankle injuries. And from there, we didn't have our starting five together pretty much for the rest of the entire season. And everyone, including Kyle Long, uh, took some time not playing last year, missing a game here, two games, four games. You know, Slauson missed the most. Uh, you know, I don't even know what the what the number came to, but uh, you know, he missed most of the season um, last year. So, I mean, uh, the defense—you couldn't imagine it being worse than it was uh, in 2013. But they switched roles, whereas we knew how to defend the run. All of a sudden, we couldn't defend the pass, and it just seemed to be the same thing uh, over and over again. And and you know, as you say, you listen to the show. You've heard me say a million times on the show behind the linebackers in front of the safety over and over and over and over again. Because if I can see that from my couch, how the hell can they not see it on film every single week with Mel Tucker and, and the disaster of a defense that he put on the field? So there, there really wasn't anything that was worth, you know, like, oh, man, well, at least we had this in 2014. No, we didn't. Because I, I, I can't think of anything that I would look back on and think, you know, well, at least we had that in 2014. Um, yeah, no, I can't think of anything. So, yeah. And Kyle will attest to it, attest to this, but I talked about that between the linebacker and safety and just past the corner spot all year long, especially when it came to people like Jordy Nelson and stuff like that. Like they, he tears that side of the field, that portion of the field up. I am right there with you. Because people, my theory, Larry, is that, the only logical explanation for a guy like Jordy Nelson, he's off on his own. That's because people forget how fast he is because he's a honky. <laughs> that's maybe not the most logical explanation, but it is the most amusing. Um, now, your answer definitely mirrors every Bears fan I have talked to. How much hope there was going into the season. I mean, even the Tampa Bay guy we talked to, there were, there were a couple of things. And, you know, mm -hmm. most of the teams we've talked to who actually were worse off in the record than the Bears yeah. had one or two items. And the Bears, we got nothing. And, and I'm not disagreeing with that at all. There's not a lot of happiness. Obviously, this led to total cleaning of the house, top to bottom. I, I believe even some of the high-end executives were at least rearranged. So... The impression I am getting as the outside look again, this is definitely a good thing, especially, you know, getting John Fox. That's the first head coach with coaching experience since what, George Hallis or something. So how excited are you for this new regime change, head coaching staff and uh front office? Well, I'm I'm psyched. I I, I really am. Uh I, I I was uh you know, it's it's an almost an embarrassment of riches that we've we've fallen into. Uh, all of a sudden, because when we started our coaching uh, search, when we let go of Tressman, um, when we let go of Emery, hiring John Fox wasn't an option at the time because uh, he was still trying to coach his coach the Broncos back to the Super Bowl. You know, and if, and if my prediction at the beginning of the season had come true, we wouldn't have a shot at John Fox because I thought Denver was going to win the Super Bowl this year with the with what they did with with the Marcus Ware and, and all the improvements they made on defense and. Everything I thought Denver was going to win that win it all uh, this year. So being having a guy like John Fox, I mean, even after four straight division titles and you know twelve plus win seasons and uh, you know a defending AFC championship, for him to be able to be available uh, to us was something that we weren't anticipating. And to be able to go out there and get him, I think, is fantastic. And then the cherry on top, of course, being able to bring Adam Gase 
uh, along with us. And, uh, you know, a guy like Vic Fangio uh, as our new defensive coordinator, um, you know, it, it kind of reminds me of our former wide receiver situation where we used to have our, our wide receiving core was the laughing stock uh, of the NFL to win, you know, Marshall and Jeffrey, uh, you know, had that year in 2013 being argued as being the best in the NFL. At the end of the 2014 season, our coaching staff was arguably one of the biggest jokes in the NFL to now having Fox and Gase and Fangio being argued as like, man, the Bears might have one of the best coaching staffs in the league right now. There's definitely some karmic balancing right there going from how could you do this to how did how did you do that? That's yeah, really. Hmm. Yeah. Nice. Uh as you said, getting John Fox is a win enough, but then Adam Gase, who a lot of teams wanted him to be a head coach, and he's he's definitely going to at least help that offense. That's that's a slam dunk any way you look at it. Absolutely. Um, now let's downshift and get a little introspective. We know the coaching staff in the front office is positives. Yes. But what about the concerns now? I mean, is it personnel? Is it Jay Cutler? Is it cap space? I'm guessing coaching isn't there, but perhaps a shift to a 3-4 defense. I mean, there's definitely a lot that has the potential to go wrong. So what is your concern for this team next year? Um, it's For me, it's still the defense. Uh, it's still the defense, and it's because we're making this shift and because the Bears have been a 4-3 team since the dawn of time uh, that we don't necessarily have the, the best personnel for it. Uh, that the you know the transition that we're looking to make some of these guys uh, you know like like Jared Allen all of a sudden we're going to try to make him an outside linebacker or at least that's what he would be uh, in a three four uh, who's never spent a day of his life in coverage would he be able to do that um, you know going out and signing uh, you know Willie Young and, and Lamar Houston uh, might seem like bad ideas now that we're switching to a to a three four uh, we're most likely going to let Stephen Paya go because he doesn't fit into a 3-4 situation, even though he was arguably the best defensive lineman on the team uh, last year. Uh, you know, what about our linebacking core? Shea McClellan's going to go into his final year of his contract. Um, you know, is this the defense that he was meant for all along? Because that's what he played in college. Would, is John Bostic going to be a, a good inside linebacker on the on the 3-4 now that he's not the man in the middle anymore and, and things like that? So, uh, and not, not to mention the fact that our secondary is still a nightmare. So, you know, will we bring back Peanut Tillman? Will Tim Jennings be able to go back to that guy that was, uh, you know, neck and neck with Richard Sherman for most interceptions in the NFL since 2012 uh, and something? Will be will ever be able to figure out the freaking safety position? Will that ever happen in our lifetime? I don't know. But that's where the most question marks, the most concerns still are. And then throwing a a scheme change and on top of it, that's where you're still kind of worried because the offense, even with the subtraction of Brandon Marshall, we still have Jeffrey. We still have Forte. The offensive line is going to be back, knock on wood, healthy uh, again in, in 2015. Uh, we still have Martellus Bennett, Marquise Wilson, you know, still might be the, the guy that we want to have, uh, you know, go forward, not to mention, you know, who we might be able to acquire in free agency here in the next 72 hours. So, Offense is far less of a problem uh, than the defense will be. And, you know, like I said, with the nightmare the defense has been the last two years, plus a scheme change, there's a lot more to worry about there than I believe on the offensive side of the ball, regardless of who our quarterback is, whether it's Cutler or somebody we bring in or draft or whatever. Wow, you just went through uh, about six questions I had for you, <laughs> just, just so you know. <laughs> you just you just killed through a bunch of them. Um. Let's start real quick with, with the transition. You brought up Jared Allen. And one thing that we, we just actually got off, off the phone with Lester uh, Wiltfong for SB Nation, well, the Windy City Gridiron, which is part of the SB Nation website. And one thing he brought up was since Jared Allen's been with the Bears, he hasn't really been asked to to drop into coverage really at all. I mean, right. why would you as a, as a defensive end? But when he was with the Vikings, and granted this is a while ago, and he didn't do it so much towards his end of the run with the Vikings with the different schemes that were being played there. But, you know, early in his career there, when he first got there, he uh, he did drop back into coverage, he said, about 25 times a year. Hmm. So it's not and it's not something that I don't think he couldn't play, because if you if you watch 
Jared Allen, the way he plays his his athletic ability, he's tall. He does bat down a lot of passes. He does cover the running back very well. I would be I would be concerned against really good tight ends with him in any way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. But hopefully that they would, you know, adjust the the lineup to account for that. I kind of parallel him with Robert Mathis and and Dwight Freeney and how the Colts when they did the the transition or when the Packers they did the transition from the four three to the three four how they were able to to do it so quickly with and granted there was a there was a struggle to do the the transition for them but they did it well very fast and I was I was impressed with that and I don't think that this transition is going to be as brutal as what you and I kind of perceive that it will be mm-hmm. <laughs> because I think I think we both have our reservations and now with our expectations being extremely low <laughs> as compared to that, what it has been over the last couple of years. Right. We have a lot of issues there. I, I agree with you completely about the linebacker situation. Lance Briggs is gone. And also with Steven Paya being out the door, he doesn't fit the scheme whatsoever. It's right. just, it's better off to let him roll. But the, the linebacker situation, who do we have that can play that middle? I don't know who we have that we could play that can play the middle right now. I, that's definitely something they're going to have to address in free agency or through the draft. But one big thing, Shea McClellan, and I wanted to get your opinion on this before I get into the safety thing. Shea McClellan, he is going to the last year. He's finally going to be playing in a scheme that he was successful in in college. Right. Is this the year that they switch him to that edge rusher and kind of make him the the player that he should have been this whole time? Do you think that he they are doing the right thing by letting him stay one more year and prove that basically he has to prove that he's not a bust at this point? He has to be able to be do great things this year. Do you think he can do that? Well, he's over three so far. Um, so he's had three three years, uh, in, in you know, with the Bears uh, so far. Uh, as a four three defensive end, he did not work out. Um, as a outside linebacker last year, it just seems like every time I see oh so bad yeah it was so bad as every time I see a highlight on TV of somebody playing against the Bears. You see Shea McClellan chasing him in the background. Like whatever's happening, Shea McClellan is behind it and running after it as opposed to being there and making the play uh, in these highlights. Um, you know, he was a 3-4 outside linebacker at Boise State uh, in college. Uh, if the Bears hadn't taken him, you know, I was hearing over and over again that Green Bay was going to pick him up to be the other Clay Matthews uh, later on in the first round if the Bears hadn't, uh, hadn't decided to take him. Uh, so, I mean, as far as his experience or, or whatever, it's this is what made him successful. It's what made him a first-round pick uh, coming out of uh, Boise State. So you'd like to think that this is going to uh, work out for him. Uh, he's got one more year to prove it. And because he's still on his rookie contract, he's only making a million, maybe $2 million. So it's not exactly like he's tearing up our, our cap space just to hold him onto the uh, – onto the roster. So, and the other unfortunate thing is with the turnover that we're going to have on the roster overall, there's only so many people we can get rid of. So, you know, McClellan's one of those people, you're probably just going to hang on to him because if it doesn't work out, he's gone next year anyway. Let's say he does, he does come out and he, all of a sudden he is the bears version of the next Clay Matthews, which is what he was intended to be when it came, when he came from Boise state. Mm -hmm. If he has the one good year in this new scheme, are you willing to to change your mind? Because there's a few players when I, I listen to your show a lot, and there's just those few players that you're just like, ugh, why? Yeah. And uh, Shay McClellan is one of those players. And I are you are you willing to to turn that around, or do you need you know two or three great years from him to to you know spin that the other direction? Well, it, it'd have to be a hell of a year. It it really would be uh, just because he he was he was not good as as a four three defensive end, and I think that was more of a mistake by the Bears than it was Shea McClellan because we tried to make him into something that he wasn't. I mean, he was he was undersized for what we were trying to make him. You know, 6'2", 250 pounds is not a, a defensive end in the NFL, or at least not these days uh, anyway. Um, and then when we tried to switch him up to a linebacker to where he would always be in coverage and never be a pass rusher, that didn't really seem to work out just based on the results. He always seemed to be out of position or... You know, like I said about the highlights, he was always behind what was happening. It had already gone past him, uh, you know, in, in, in the highlights that I saw. So, uh, you know, obviously it didn't work out. But, you know, this is what he did 
in college. This is how he made his name. This is how he became a first round pick. So you, you, you know, just being a, a, an optimist for a moment, you'd have to think this is where he's best suited. So, you know, he's being set up for success finally. Uh, but as far as bringing him back in, in 2016, uh, you know, I'd, I'd say it would have to be one hell of a season that he'd have for me to out, out just come out and say, well, we got to resign Shane McClellan. I mean, that would be stupid for us not to do that, you know. And of course, uh, you know, my prayers were answered earlier this week, or maybe it was yesterday, actually, when it was decided that Chris Conti, who was the bane of my existence, I was just about to ask you about in that. 2013. <laughs> oh my God, this guy is not coming back to Chicago. So. You know, good riddance to, to him. Best of luck to him. I hope he figures it out, but uh, I'm glad he won't be uh, damaging us anymore in the future. I was just talking to Kyle about how you hate Chris Conti and not as a person. Yeah, it shows up right fast. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I told him, I was like, well, you don't listen to the show, Kyle, like I do. And one thing, it seemed like every single game just Chris Conti let this one get by him and Chris Conti let that one get by him. And then I remember there's, there's only a couple of. Uh, times there was one game where he had this last year that he had two picks mm -hmm. and one of them was this giant leaping five yard interception and on the show it's almost like you're at a loss of words you're just like well i guess i guess he intercepted the football and yeah <laughs> that's was, that was the it, it, i know that you feel the exact same way that i do i just i could not understand his appeal and lots of talk about them going after a free agent safety whether it be uh, Devin McCourty, but I also heard some really terrible options like like Troy Polamalu. Why would you do that? Yeah. It doesn't make that. I mean, that's that's a terrible, terrible decision. And I, where, how do you see them addressing the safety problem? Is it going to be something they're going to do in the free agency, or is or is it is this a draft position where they just need to to nail it in the draft and get a guy that is going to be the future there at that position, and that's it. Well, you know, I, 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 I really hope that we do both. I hope that we sign somebody, uh, in, in, in free agency. Devin McCourty would be number one on the list there. Although there are, there are a couple of guys, uh, not as big a name as McCourty that, you know, would also be, I mean, anything would be an upgrade, to be honest with you. The, what we had back there, that musical chairs of safety that we had this year where instead of going after one big fish, Emery signed 15 guys nobody else wanted including Adrian Wilson, who I don't even think played in the NFL last year after we cut him. So, um, you know, you, you, when, when the mock draft started coming out right after the Super Bowl, uh, it had the Bears taking Landon Collins in the first round, that, that safety out of, uh, out of Alabama. Of, of course, every other mock draft I have now has shifted towards the Bears either taking an outside linebacker slash pass rusher or Danny Shelton, the, the nose tackle out of, uh, Washington. So, you know, it looks like as far as the experts are concerned, we're going to address the front as opposed to addressing our, our secondary. So we'll have to wait and, and see on that. But, uh, you know, Dev, uh, Troy Polamalu, eh, you can't argue with what the guy's done. He's been in a three, four his whole career, but his body's been falling apart on him. So that's the last thing that we need is a team that you know, not only through poor play, but also through injuries has suffered through that. Why would you bring somebody in, no matter how productive he has been in his career, why would you bring somebody in who's been, you know, battling to stay on the field uh, the last few years in Pittsburgh? Yeah, Mike Brown, that, that one comes to mind yeah. pretty quick. Yeah. Well, and speaking of uh, guys dealing with injury and the safety position, what about Charles Tillman. Now, he's definitely a big part of the Bears' defense, but great stand-up guy, respected player. All that doesn't matter if you can't stay healthy. We, we've seen it quite a few times around the league. Corners get a little older, they switch to safety, and it can work out. Do you think that moving Charles Tillman to safety would, one, allow him to be more productive or effective or anything, and two, help him stay on the field and stay healthy. I think it depends. I mean, do you even think he has enough left in the tank to be effective at this point? That's another. Well, you know, it, it's it's um, it's it's tough because I, I think that Peanut was productive, you know, even when he was injured. It was those, uh, um, you know, the fact that those the ruptured uh, tricep both times in 2013 and 2014 uh, it was the seizing and injury that, that put him out. Um, 
I think it depends on what, which of the safety positions we put or, you know, we would want to use him as the free safety being more of the coverage guy and the strong safety being more of the run supporter. Uh, I think that with the way that he's kind of proven quote unquote fragile over the last couple of years, you wouldn't want to put him in at strong safety. If he's going to be up there and run support, taking on offensive linemen uh, and everything like that, then, then no, I think that would be a huge mistake. I think maybe it's something worth exploring to, to move him to free safety where he'd be spending more of his time and coverage uh, and things like that. Then yeah, maybe definitely that would be a, uh, a good idea, but um, I've, I've, I follow peanut on, on Twitter and people have asked him that before. And I think he would be against moving to uh, safety or at least the responses that I've seen, he has no interest in doing it. And that's unfortunate because I think that he could honestly be great there. And if he could took one, took a page from the, you know Charles Woodson, right? Yeah, playbook. He he could honestly extend his. I mean, look at look how old Charles Woodson is. He just signed another one year extension with the Raiders. I mean, this guy is going into what like his seventeenth or eighteenth season or something like that. He's about to become older than time itself. In yeah, it's just, about. And, uh, it's just and he's still playing. And he, Charles Tillman could honestly extend his career another six years by just becoming a safety. And and I understand that you know if you have no interest, you have no interest, and do what you love and not what you have to if you don't want to do it. But it just, it's a bummer when you think about it because I, I would love to see him play on the Bears for 20 years. I mean, that, that's a, that's a player that I have loved since the, the moment he stepped on the field in a Bears uniform. Well, he, he's, he is the one guy that I, that I would like to see the Bears, you know, bring back for all these guys that are running out their contracts like DJ Williams and Lance Briggs and Chris Conti uh, and so on. On that list, Peanut Tillman is the one guy that I would like to see the Bears bring back. I would like to see them, you know, just on a one-year deal, let him come back and see if he can go out, you know, on his feet instead of being carried off the field on his shield. You know what I mean? Right. Let's let's shift gears here real quick. Let's 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 talk solely about the offense here, and more importantly, Jay Cutler and how you felt about, you know, the coaches, the former coaches and current players, kind of slamming him, and what you think about the whole Aaron Cromer buyer's remorse thing that that kind of came about last year and what is your your opinion on him as the player him as the person and him as the perceived person i guess is, is a better way of putting it and then you know how how is this going to work out for the bears with him at quarterback is this going to be something that if all goes well we're we're going to see more of him for the next couple of years or is this something where they're just going to bide their time and he is kind of already out the door and he knows it well you know it's it, and it's it's one of those hotly contested things amongst all Bear fans. You know, you talk to some people who are uh, Cutler apologists and say that it's not his fault. And then you have the other people uh, who want to find his house and burn it to the ground with him still inside of it. So, uh, you know, it's it, it really it really <laughs> wow. does depend on who you're talking to. You know, I you know, I've, I've talked to people who think Cutler is the, the spawn of Satan himself. And other people who think that the problem is anything but uh, Jay Cutler. I'm somewhere in the middle. You know, I don't despise Jay Cutler because I'm a realist, and I know that uh, for better or for worse, because we are the Chicago Bears, he is the best quarterback we've probably ever had outside of Sid Luckman back in the freaking 40s. So uh, you know, you can't argue with the guy's ability what he can do when he's on. And unfortunately, Jay Cutler is one of those players that has to be in a perfect situation. And, you know, speaking more of when you're on the field, the protection has to be there, uh, you know, and his mechanics have to be right. I mean, you've, you've probably heard me talk a million times about how Jay Cutler loves throwing off his back foot. He doesn't like to step into throws. He likes to throw it from his hip uh, and things like that. And you wonder why the ball will sail on you or not end up where he wants it to. Yeah, I don't think he has. I don't think he has two feet. I've only right. ever seen him use one. So. Exactly. So, I mean, it's, it's one of those things. He has to kind of be in, in, in the right uh, situation because before he got hurt last year, Jay was having a heck of a season in 2013, not last year, but the year before, in 2013, before he got hurt. And then we saw, saw what Josh McCown was able to do with that same offensive line, with the same cast of characters uh, around him. And then when Jay came back, he wasn't bad uh, at all and everything. He just wasn't as almost perfect as McCown was. Um, but I, but how much do you attribute that to hype versus production? I just, and I, well, the other thing is I also, I probably base it, would base it more on emotion 
than anything else because we as Bear fans probably the, you know one of the more emotional bunches in the NFL. I mean, we we went rank way up there uh, as far as that goes. But uh, you know, and and when the motion comes, overreaction uh, as well. So because McCown only threw one interception in seven games, but Cutler threw you know twelve or whatever it was in the other half of the games. Obviously, McCown was the much better quarterback, and we should have brought him him back and 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 so on. So I mean, it it uh, like I said. There are two people. There's there are two sides to this, especially when it comes to Jay Cutler. Both are very emotional, one way or the other. I think a large part of the reason that people can be a little more negative on Jay Cutler than is perhaps rational is that mega money contract he got. He got paid, and I mean that's how the quarterback market is. But do you feel that the Bears were in a sense swindled at all by the Jay Cutler deal, or is that just? what it is to get a quarterback. I think the Bears swindled themselves on that one because they went all in on Jay Cutler. And it, you know, it's unfortunate that it worked out the way that they did. It was more of a symbolic gesture than anything else. You know, it was a it was a which is not unique in no, the NFL. No, it absolutely though, with, with is not. Position. It, it is not because then several other teams made the same gesture with Colin Kaepernick and Andy Dalton and Joe Flacco and so on throwing a mountain of money at these quarterbacks. And these aren't guys that are, you know, world beaters by any match, uh, stretch of the imagination, even though Blacko does have a, a world championship under his belt. It was more so the organization saying that this is our guy. He is going to be our guy going forward. The smartest thing the Bears could have done last year was franchise Cutler. A one-year deal, he still gets his top money, but we're not married to the guy. But instead, we're signing this contract that – in this in this ass backwards way, somehow having the guy on the, the roster on the third day of the NFL calendar guarantees money for next season. Because if if he's if Jay Cutler is still a bear at the end of this week, we owe him ten million dollars for twenty sixteen. So I don't know who put this contract together. You can't blame Jay Cutler for taking the money that was offered to him. That's why I say the Bears swindled themselves. And and I would agree with you 100% with that viewpoint. Um, as you mentioned, a few guys. One thing that really stuck out in my mind was during that Peyton Manning free agency, there was some talk with the 49ers, or at least expressed interest. Uh, Peyton, I know, wanted to go to the Texans. And as memory serves, both Alex Smith and Matt Schaub got new deals, essentially because they're like, oh, how could you possibly want to go for an all-time great when you've got me and the teams kind of have to to fold a little that's what you got to do in the quarterback market now as you said the the cap situation with jay cutler is not ideal that's gotta at least in some way contribute to him sticking around but i'd say the bigger factor right now is the lack of available quarterback talent in free agency or even through trade there's not really anybody else you could say this is a definite upgrade from Jay Cutler. Now, if you saw a guy out there in free agency or on the trading block who would be as good or better than Cutler, do you think that the Bears would be interested, you know, cap be damned? Uh, I don't know. I mean, because we've dug ourselves in such a big hole with Cutler's contract, like I said, if he's still on the roster at the end of the week, because I think the, the first day of the NFL calendar is Tuesday. On the 10th, if he's still on the roster by the end of the week, which is like what the 13th or so, then the Bears owe him $10 million for 2016. I don't know what genius put that or agreed to it, you know, as far as the Bears are concerned. It's stupid. We're, we're, we're giving him money for something he hasn't done yet next year. So it's, it's ridiculous. But I, there are a couple of guys I think would be interesting. You know, Ryan Mallett is still out there. He's a free agent from the, uh, from the Texans, Brian Hoyer who had a good year out in Cleveland before they started to fall apart. He's still out there. I mean, we, we don't need the big-armed, you know, you know, the guy that can throw at 60 yards or, or anything like that. That's just what makes Jay dynamic, is that he can throw it out of the stadium, uh, you know, if he wants to. He can be incredibly accurate when his mechanics are, 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 are on par. So, I mean, Jay physically is a good quarterback. It's just that mentally he makes some stupid mistakes and – you know, he, he, he lets it get in the way sometimes, and it, he doesn't have the amnesia that quarterbacks need in order to be successful in the NFL. On that same note, you just said 
you know, mentally he has is where his issues really lie. Yeah. And today, not today, yesterday, I, I woke up and I was bombarded with the news that Brandon Marshall had been traded. Yep. Well, I th- actually, I believe it was it was Friday, Friday. yeah. But <laughs> yes, <laughs> so Friday, I see Brandon Marshall's been traded. I'm tweeting our contact at, with the Jets. He's he's going through. He's like, oh, we got him at a steal. I'm so happy. Instantly, the best receiver we've had. I'm looking at it. I'm I'm listening to Waddle and Sylvie, and I'm listening to all these different viewpoints on the trade. And there there was a lot of report of you know there was he was a cancer. He was a problem in the locker room. He didn't like where he was. His ties with Jay Cutler had been broken. You know, they their relationship their relationship had fallen apart. And it was the New York TV show. It was the you know the inside the NFL thing that that the coaches didn't like. And really, what I had seen from all of my time listening to him talk on you know the the Monday and Tuesday morning show with Waddle and Sylvie, and you know following him on Twitter and following him on Facebook and and watching the things that he did for the community for other people and for the the mental health awareness stuff that he did it it seemed like to me he was just a guy that liked to help hold people accountable and people didn't like that a lot of people didn't like it and he had a choice when they drafted Alshon Jeffrey to say oh they just drafted a guy that's just like me and I don't want that I'm going to be competing against that guy screw that guy but he does he didn't do that he took a, a teammate that is essentially him at a younger age under his wing and made him great yep and now, now he's he's moving on, and it makes sense when you look at it from a Jay Cutler standpoint. That one thing that Mark Tressman did was give Jay Cutler way too much, too many options out there. That he let him audible too much. He let him just kind of have free reign over the offense. And one thing that Brandon Marshall was was Jay Cutler's favorite improv tool. So what are you going to do if you want to eliminate the things that Jay Cutler can do on the field? You take away the one guy that has the ability to allow that to happen. Yeah. And it's, and I, I was just, we were just recording earlier and I said, it's like the two friends in the classroom that can't be quiet, that are best friends. And so you have to separate them so that everybody else can get stuff done. Larry, I got to jump in before you, you get to this, Ron, I just want to make you aware of what you just did, because I know you're not aware of what you just did. You said, Hey, speaking of mental issues, Brandon Marshall, <laughs> good job. Good job, jackass. Very <laughs> my, professional. My fault. That is, not, that is obviously not what I meant. Because I'm meant, like, where's the Jay Cutler connection? Uh, you can't do that. I meant the fragile it's, psyche of Jay Cutler on the football field when I talked yeah, about the mental issues. Yeah, but your issues. literal I words know. were, speaking of mental deficiencies, <laughs> bam. I apologize. I know Brandon Marshall Holy doesn't listen to us and he couldn't care God. less. So. <laughs> Usually I'm the one who's terrible. I am enjoying being not the horrible spawn of Satan right now. Larry, I'm sorry to derail that, but just n- normally I'm the evil one. And I just, I needed to take note and uh, take advantage of that. Well, you know, it's, um, you know, the whole thing with, with Brandon Marshall, number one, I am not a fan of the trade. I think it's a mistake, but at the same time, uh, you know, the point you were making there about taking away uh, his favorite toy, basically, it's it's an excellent point, uh, you know, and honestly, I hadn't thought of it that way. Uh, but you're right. I mean, if you look back at 20, 2012, their first year together uh, in Chicago, Brandon Marshall had like 115, 120 catches. The next second, the second receiver on the roster had 47 or something like that, just to show you where the where the disconnect was. Now, granted, Matt Forte was in the middle with around 70 catches or, or something like that. But as far as wide receivers were concerned, Brandon Marshall was number one at 120. And I think Devin Hester was second at like 46 or 47. So obviously he was looking for Marshall more than he was looking for anyone else. And it's not just because Marshall was always open. So, um, you know, taking him away, um, you know, uh, Bear fans for the most part aren't going to care about all that behind the scenes stuff. They're just going to see that the best wide receiver to air over wear a bear uniform is no longer wearing a bear uniform. And not only that, but we gave him away for a fifth round pick. That's how bear fans are going to look at this. You know, Marshall was on, when he was on the field, he was awesome. And, you know, he played hurt a lot this year. And then Barry Church caved in the back of his chest. And then we lost him for the remainder of the season. Then the offense really went downhill uh, after that. We're just going to see that we suffer without Brandon Marshall. And now he's not going to be a, be on the team at all and that's really going to make some people upset the best year that jay cutler had though uh with the bears was the year believe it or not the year that mike marks was the offensive coordinator and they butted heads and 
the the you know he, Mike Marks wasn't really liked by fans by or anything. I mean, he left Jay Cutler high and dry a lot. He was just getting pounded, and I think that's kind of the reason that Jay Cutler developed the attitude of "I don't care. I'm not going to go play for you." And you know, everybody remembers that NFC Championship game. And but his best year at quarterback with the Bears was that year, and it was a system that didn't allow him to improvise. You went here, the ball snaps, you go here with it. The ball snaps, you go here with it. The ball snaps, you hand it off. You don't have any options. And I think that that's the kind of guy that that he needs to be. It's He's going to hate it. But if he wants to play quarterback in the NFL, he has to play to, to what is going to be his best strengths. And one of his best strengths is not making decisions. Yes, and that's uh, and that's true. You know, when, when, Mike's, when Mike Martz was around, they fought a lot. I mean, and, and, and believe me, the, the networks did their best to expose that, you know, him, him yelling at Martz between plays and, and things like that. They always made sure that they caught that on camera whenever Jay Cutler was lashing out at Martz on the sidelines. And then they show a picture of Martz on the sidelines not caring. So he, knowing that this is what he could expect from Jay, that Jay wasn't going to like this, but that Jay had no choice but to do what he was told. So he did not give Jay Cutler the option to change a lot of plays, and we were far more successful um, you know, or he was anyway, uh, you know, when we, when he was, uh, when he was able to do that. So, um, you know, I, I think that may be what, what Gase and, and, uh, you know, John Fox and everything may have in mind for Cutler if he is going to be our guy, because here we are, they're almost two months on the job now, and they still have not committed to whether or not Jay Cutler's the guy, even though they've been giving numerous opportunities to do so. So whatever the Bears are going to do with Jay Cutler, they have not made known. Maybe they don't know yet what's what's going to uh, what's going to happen. So we'll have to wait and see on the whole Jay Cutler saga. This all could be a moot conversation uh, by the time the draft rolls around and we don't have Jay Cutler. We're looking for a new guy. It's definitely a, a massive issue. Anytime you're not certain of the quarterback position, you've got to kind of reduce your expectations. For the year, if you've got a quarterback, you figure at least the playoffs. If you're unsure of your quarterback, you you don't know where the season will take you. Given the Jay Cutler situation, I mean, this next Bears year is so confusing to look ahead. Like, ah, the coaching, it's up. But then Jay Cutler, I don't know. And then, oh, we got rid of Brandon Marshall. There's a lot of ups and downs. So looking ahead, how much hope is there for this team for next year? I mean, if you had to give us a realistic top to bottom you know, best case scenario, worst case scenario. What what do you see happening in this next season? Well, the timing of this question isn't that great to be, you know, because we haven't been through free agency yet. We haven't been through the draft yet, so we have no idea what 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 players uh, uh, Pace and Fox are going to add to the team to you know to kind of shape it in their in their image because so far. We've been watching right. them. You're, you're shooting yeah, from the we're, hip. we're watching them subtract. So we know who isn't coming back. We know we're not going to have Briggs. We're most likely not going to have Paya. We've gotten rid of Brandon Marshall. We've done this. We've done that so far. Chris Connie's not coming back. Thank God in heaven. But you know, um, just based on what our major, what our major, most obvious weakness last year was, was the coaching staff. There was no trust. There was no discipline. There, you know, there was no chemistry and that's gone from the top down from, you know, the general manager, the guy that hired him, he's gone. The John Fox, who's a reputation, a proven reputation, successful with two franchises, went to Super Bowls with both of them, known as a, you know, a solid guy, a motivator of men. Just based on that alone, there's reason for optimism. The problems that that plague does the Bears last season, even you know, even if you include Brandon Marshall in that, are not around to plague the Bears again this year. So we might suffer in some productivity, but the locker room is going to get right, and that's where you have to start more than anything. Because there are teams that are less talented, but they have better chemistry that produce better results on the field. And then the most talented team in our division last year, uh, which was, in my opinion, the Bears ended up in last place because we had no camaraderie, we had no discipline, we had no leadership. I mean, I knew from the beginning that we were doomed because 
Mark Tressman came up with the brilliant idea of having no captains, which basically says we have no leaders on this football team. Either that was his assessment, so he's going to pick random people to be in charge, or that you know he thought it would be better to have a leaderless football team. And hey, we're all equal, and let's go out there and win it together uh, and everything. Tressman was just a failed experiment from the beginning, um, and John Fox is not. I'll, I'll kind of give you what what my thoughts are on it, and then kind of bounce off of that. If you had to pick, you know, knowing what we know right now, and obviously there's a lot of speculation in this, is coming out of the gate and we only get seven, eight wins max, and but the team looks different, it plays better, it's it's got it's going in the right direction. Are you okay with that? Only having a few having obviously seven or eight wins and and probably being third or fourth in division, or are you saying no? with what we have and who's coaching and who's running this team and what the potential that we have, we should be winning 10 games. You know, I, I think it, uh, like you said, it depends on how we look, uh, more than anything. Cause even if the bears had finished five and 11, uh, if we were competitive and we just weren't winning, that's one thing. But for us to go out there and we gave up 50 points, two weeks in a row, uh, we're getting laughed off of the field. And even those last two games that we won uh, against Minnesota and Tampa Bay, we still sucked in those games. We just happened to play somebody who sucked worse than us in those two football games. When we when we beat Minnesota, we beat Tampa Bay. Uh, I wasn't happy about either of those victories. I, I, I had a feeling walking away from those games like we hadn't won. That was the, the, the you know, that pit of the stomach feeling that I had. Like, yeah, we won, but... We should have won by way more. We we played awful. We're lucky to have won those games. I had no optimism in in twenty in twenty fourteen. Um, you know, I, I think that that overall the product on the field is, you know, not so much the wins and losses, but how we look. Are we competing? Because that's how we know if we're going in the right direction. You know, if we go up against Green Bay and we lose twenty one to seventeen, that sure is you know that beats the hell out of thirty eight to seventeen and fifty five to fourteen. Uh, that we had uh, this season. Obviously, we had no business sharing the field with the Packers this year or, you know, getting blown away uh, by Detroit in both of those games uh, this year and, you know, losing to Minnesota on the road to finish the year. God, we looked awful in that game. It was pathetic. We just looked sad and it was hard. It was hard. It was a long year doing the show in 2014, trying to to sound like I'm not constantly bitching and moaning uh, for 17 weeks uh, in, in the season. Um, as long as we're going out there and we're giving our opponent our best shot each and every week, you know, th- I think that would be a more positive thing than how it ends up in wins and losses. Because as, as our buddy Kyle knows, you're a Colts fan. You won 11 games two years ago somehow because you happen to play in the worst division uh, in football. You get into the playoffs. Mostly, yeah. Yes. You, <laughs> Mostly. Yeah, you, you play. That's mostly why they won as many games as they did this past exactly. year as well, so, and the year but, before that. You know, so. you run into the playoffs, and that's where you run in, and you find out where the disconnect is between you and where you want to be. So that's uh, you know, wins and losses don't necessarily always tell the whole story. It's very true. It, I mean, you start out by you have to beat the bad teams, and all right, like you said, Tampa Bay and Minnesota, you're able to do that, but. If you can't beat the bad teams convincingly, it's a problem. And as you also said, I mean, it's one of the the playoffs are difficult to gauge sometimes. But as you said, if you can win in the playoffs or if you lose in the playoffs, that's where you analyze what you need to do better for next year. Um, and it's a great benchmark right there. Now, we're, we're getting at the uh, wind down point of this interview because I think you've given us way too much bears information if we get if we talk more about bears with ron that's just it's gonna bleed over into everything else i do for the rest of the week i guarantee it i know him he loves Um, it he loves it he sounds like a fan okay well well i love it but ron you forget how this works you start talking bears and then i remind you of last season and then you get all boo-hooey on me and it's really not i i I don't want to be the guy that makes you depressed this week (laughs) <laughs> is what I'm getting at. Thank you. <laughs> but 
Well, see, there you, there you go. Going with he loves it, and I put you right back down. So this is this is life for you. Um, so let's let's get to this last question. You already touched on it a little, but I'm trying to let, let's make this really really direct. Good position in the draft. I mean, a, a lot of needs you could address. What is the pick you want, and what is the pick you think is actually going to happen in this first round? Well, you know, with the changes to the team, what we're actually going to do becomes more and more uh, of a mystery. You know, we got rid of Brandon Marshall. That obvious, that all of a sudden opens, opens us up to Amari Cooper or Kelvin Wright if they're available uh, at number seven. Uh, if we get rid of Jake Cutler, if we, you know, it depends on it. Do we trade and get something in return for him uh, or anything like that? Then would one of the quarterbacks be there at number seven? Do we reach for somebody? Do we trade back and, and pick somebody in late in the, the first round kind of thing? So as far as what the pick will actually be, that's more of a question mark than anything right now. Who I want is that beast in the middle, Danny Shelton from Washington, because he seems to just be the monster in the middle and the anchor of the defensive line. Because I'm an old offensive lineman myself from my old playing days and everything. I believe wholeheartedly it starts up front. And we got, in my opinion, the offensive line is fine. We just need those guys healthy. The defensive line was a disaster the last couple of years. And if we're switching to a 3-4, then the nose tackle, in my opinion, is the most important position. And having that kid on the roster, I think, will help us more than anything. That seems to be the pretty popular pretty popular choice there yeah the, the danny shelton's is who i i constantly hear so all right well then let's let's play you know devil's advocate what is the what you're sitting on your couch watching the draft and then all of a sudden you know curveball hey chicago bears select i'm assuming you know just maybe he's available maybe he's not you hear them call out marcus Mariota. what is your reaction at that moment well uh for starters um Having the Bears throw Bear fans curveballs on draft day, that's just how they do business. Well, that was the Lovey yeah. Smith way. That so, was the Jerry Angelo way. So you're absolutely yeah, right. The Jerry Angelo way. Yes, you're, you're right. The one that sticks after me thinking, you know, everybody going, oh, they got to take offensive linemen. And then they read out Shane McClellan. It's like, there's not even a position in need right now. Right. And he doesn't fit. Well, and, I mean, and, I, and, I on, and on top of that, on top of that, because that was my, that was the example I was going to use, actually was that I'm sitting here, the Bears are, I think it was, what, 20th? That was our position that year. We've yep. got we got Riley Reef, an offensive lineman from Iowa. He's available. Chandler Jones, if we're going to go pass rusher from Syracuse, he's still available. We got this guy, we got this guy, we got that guy, and then we pick the guy that I've never heard of before, which is what the Bears specialize in or what they used to specialize in anyway, was they find this guy off the street you've never heard of before, but all of a sudden he's our, he's our crown jewel. Uh, of the draft uh, for this year. And even though he turned out to be a stud for us, Kyle Long was the exact same thing. Um, Kyle Long uh, was the lesser known of all the names they could have picked in that spot. Just thank God he was actually a stud. That guy's going to be a horse for us uh, uh, for years. But but at least he was a player, the actual position of need, though. I mean, when, so they went, they at least went to fill a spot they had problems at. Right. But to answer your question, if... If the name is Marcus Mariota, I would not be happy. You know, the re- my my draft review show would be a twenty minute tirade on why the hell we would do that after we, you know, going and 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 being basically banking on on this kid who people have issues with, who's been in a spread offense then out there in Oregon when that's not what we're going to be running here in Chicago uh, or anything like that. I just feel like it would be a huge mistake for us to. Uh, when things are far more important than quarterback, in my opinion, especially on this football team, for us to you know hinge this uh, the future on, on on another quarterback, I think would be a mistake. All right, well, that's going to actually have to wrap us up here, Larry. We really appreciate uh, you coming on and and of course feeding into the to my fanaticism as well, <laughs> and <laughs> you know and just throwing me for a loop. I didn't honestly think you'd ever say yes, but uh, when you when you did, I was like, I I called Kyle and I was said, you know, I got this guy. He does the Chicago Bears review. I listen to a show every single week and and uh he's agreed to come on the show and Kyle was like and Ron was <laughs> super excited, but the thing is it's hard to tell like appropriate levels of excitement with Ron because this is a guy who like he'd come to work and this is working at the army mind, so not exactly uh 
soft feelings right. time. And he'd be like, you guys, she, she let me hold her hand for five seconds. They're like, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. You've been trying this for three months. So when he's like, I got this guy, I'm like, is this good? Is he some guy? I don't, I don't know. Ron is very difficult to put into perspective. And I know when it comes to the bears, he finds man crushes way too easy. <laughs> Thank, thanks, Kyle. appreciate that. What, for being an accurate representation of your life when it comes to this team? Yeah. Man crush all the time. All right. Well, Larry, we want to kind of turn the floor over to you. We're going to give you an opportunity to kind of plug it. Uh, your show and and uh, where they need to follow you at and how they access and everything. So, all right. Well, you know, I've I've uh, it's the Chicago Bears review. You can uh, find it on iTunes. You either search my uh, my name, Larry Dyer, or uh, Chicago Bears review. It'll come right up uh, for you. It's um it's um CBR podcast at Podbean dot com is is where the show is online. Uh, that's where you'd be able to find it uh, find it there. I'm on Twitter at um, Shy Bears Review, C-H-I Bears uh, Review uh, on Twitter. And we also have a Facebook page. Just search Chicago Bears Review and uh, join the group. Outstanding. Thank you, Larry, so much for coming on. And we hope to maybe have you back uh, maybe after the draft. Absolutely. The yeah. Great. You can guarantee that if we do hear Mariota, I'm going to be calling you like, oh, I got to record his opinion. I got to record him before he gets furious drunk. I'm going to be so excited. For that. <laughs> a little uh, knee jerk reaction to that, right? Yeah, absolutely. You'll, you'll, you'll definitely want to put the explicit tag on that one if that happens. <laughs> yeah. Well, Ron gets very creative with his uh, expletive bleeps. Uh, my personal favorite are duck quacks. Nice. But... <laughs> nice. Yeah, I'm a. I love censoring. That's that's one of the things I spend the most time on doing with Kyle is censoring I, I, because I have I love um, sound effects. <laughs> well, and and I I am able to say some truly awful things that makes people question humanity. So you know <laughs> it, it it is life. It is life for Ron. Well, thank so, you, Larry. We appreciate it, and uh, you have a great day. And uh, go Bears. My pleasure. Bear down. All right, Ron, that was fun. Uh, definitely understand why you have such a massive man crush on Larry. Uh, fantastic man with his Chicago Bear Review podcast. Uh, I I actually really enjoyed talking to him myself because he was not only knowledgeable, but he had a good sense of humor. He's pretty good. How do you think that went for us? Great. As good as I could have ever wanted it to. Obviously, I'm... Yep, I can hear it in your voice. It's kind of sad, but that's good. <laughs> now, I to have somebody on that I and for anybody to to be able to talk to somebody that you kind of look up to as as a source of information or somebody that you kind of look to as a celebrity like it, it, it's 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 a to each his own kind of situation. I really like his show. I think that it's great. And I really enjoyed being able to talk to him after having only been listening to a show for about a year and a half and a year. And a, I never would have thought a year and a half later I was going to be having this guy that I listen to constantly on my own show that it's just, it's, it's well, unimaginable. I, mean, I don't know if I use the so. term unimaginable. I mean, you know, you're making it seem you know, like dear penthouse. I never thought it would happen to me. No, it's not quite at that level, but it's definitely, it is for me. Well, I, I'm just more pointing out, just like I mentioned, your elevation of emotions is weird and confusing to me because my emotions basically go between food and uh reproductive drive let's clean you know being clean and editing and sarcasm and sarcasm is about 80 percent of where that focus goes you might you might Shocker. you might have you might have picked up on that <laughs> so um yeah but it was yeah it's i really had a good time uh it's i'm glad that he was able to come on and um, I can't wait to have him on again. That's the big thing, is especially after the draft. There's one thing he does in a show called the knee-jerk reactions. After every quarter, he gets on and records a quick little knee-jerk reaction to how that quarter went. And uh, I'm excited for him to do the knee-jerk reactions for the draft, especially if there is a curveball, like you said, because he is going to lose it. He might explode. Like I think his head will actually explode. I I don't know if it will actually explode, but figuratively, yes. And that's why I'm going to be just... I, I am going to have Skype up and running and be looking forward to calling each and every one of these people like, huh, huh, got to get him. He's going to go ahead and kill himself. I need to go ahead and be a hero. And 
it was definitely good fun uh for any of larry's listeners uh still sticking around for some bizarro reason you know we hope you can uh check us out ron obviously loves the bears with a white hot intensity similar to that of a dying son and you know i i i, I i'm a jackass i don't know <laughs> well we'll have him on again it'll be great and he, he seemed like he had a good time too which was important as well I am glad for that. So that is, once again, Chicago Bear Review, Larry Dyer, fantastic. All right. Have a good night, everybody. Good night. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery.